It's Monday, August 24th. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, kicking off the week, it's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We are going to dip into the full mailbag, but we're going to talk about the business of safety, and we're going to start with air travel. The airline stocks are up this morning because the EPA has given American Airlines the green light to use a new surface coating that kills the coronavirus. EPA officials say the coating inactivates viruses and bacteria within two hours and is effective for up to seven days. This comes on the heels of a Sunday, which according to the TSA was um, uh, the second most travel day since the pandemic began, um, still down more than 60% year over year, but trending upward. And this this makes sense to me that American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, Delta, they, they're all up 5% or more. Yeah, I think it's it's probably more on the basis of the data on how many people are flying than this EPA announcement, possibly, uh, that having only been granted to American Airlines. And it, it's a fairly... It raises some questions in that uh, American Airlines is allowed to use this uh, in the state of Texas. That's who has been uh, granted the exemption. Uh, and so they're not allowed to apply it outside of Texas. And, and you know, I, I just don't know that there's enough detail on what this is to get that excited about it specifically. It is in the news. Uh, hopefully, it's a safe thing to apply. But the fact that it's only being granted to Texas, uh, you know, makes one ask a few questions about just why Why is that? Uh, so, anyway, good news for airlines that more people are choosing to fly. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, as, as people get more comfortable with the safety protocols that the airlines are mandating and, you know, all use them, uh, that will lead to more more travelers. You have to assume, though, that uh, some sort of parameters will be set up in terms of testing whether it's expanding American Airlines' ability to do this outside of Texas, or I mean, if it's just being done in Texas, I have to believe Southwest Airlines is uh, calling up the EPA because they do a fair amount of business in Texas as well. And Delta, uh, yeah. Well, I think that uh, if if it's a useful thing. Uh, and it's, I think, being used to clean uh, some of the public spaces in the airports as well as uh, used on the planes, uh, you know, then if, if it's something which should be applied in those circumstances, then it might have greater application elsewhere as well. It's, of course, you know, the, the perception and the reality of what is known about the transmission of COVID evolves. And, I think my experience is to be more concerned with uh, things that you can breathe than the things that you touch, uh, and and I think that's consistent with you know what's out there. There's still the I think uh, CDC uh, evaluation that it may be possible to contract it by touching something and then touching your mouth, but it's it's far more difficult. Uh, to get it that way, I think it's really the, the breathing on the air, airlines. It's uh, the greatest concern and will continue to be. I agree with that. Although I, I do think that you know there is, uh, for lack of a better term, there's a social pressure at work here 
So the extent to which people are reluctant to wear a mask all the time, um, it, it seems like this is one of those things that to the extent that they see how seriously the airlines themselves are taking this, they see the cleaning happening in the airports and on the planes. Um, yeah, it, it, this is something that is contracted much more through you know, breathing and moisture than it is through surface contact. But it, it, it seems like it can, I don't want to say it can only help, but it seems 99% like one of those things that can only help. Uh, yeah, I, I think part of the messaging uh, will continue to be look at how seriously we're taking this as uh, rapid tests become available. Uh, I'm sure airlines will be one of the places that uh, get their hands on that uh, quickly. Uh, so, uh, the better days ahead, uh, but still, you know, have you flown? Have you made plans to fly? Uh, no, but I am probably going to be making plans to fly um, in the near future. Heading up uh, to Massachusetts to see my family. Is that uh, in the near future you're going to see them or near future make a reservation? Both. Okay. They, I'll let they, you know how it goes. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll be going up to Massachusetts uh, next week, but I'll, I'll be driving. So I'll get but there that, before you. Know, you. That's it's because I got to move a, a child up to college. So there's ah, that's stuff. True. Yeah. 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 It's just going to be me traveling. So not as much stuff. Uh, let's move on to the entertainment industry. The three largest movie theater chains in America, AMC, Cinemark, and Cineworld, have teamed up to create a health initiative called Cinema Safe. This initiative follows guidelines from the CDC, and the plan includes mandatory mask wearing in the theaters, social distancing, reduced seating capacity in the theaters. And this is their plan to open theaters back up. And uh, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to see a misstep here, at least in terms of the steps that the movie theater chains are taking. It, they seem to be... Uh, again, very serious about this, very thoughtful about this. Um, and as they look to expand opening up this coming weekend, this past weekend, um, they got uh, an encouraging sign in terms of uh, the new Russell Crowe movie and and sort of how that did at the box office. Uh, so the theaters, in contrast to the airlines, and this is sort of a you know another version of the same story of what people are looking forward to going back to and uh, what steps are necessary. The last misstep by the theaters, I can't remember which one it was, uh, was going to have uh, optional but encouraged mask wearing and, and then reversed course on that uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so the long term, if you look at the long term charts for the theaters, it's um, down and to the right. Uh, as time goes by, uh, the stocks go further and further down uh, as really, you know, streaming and, and Netflix and uh, large screens in the home become the, a more and more uh, persuasive uh, competitor to theaters. And, you know, that trend is going to continue. This, the, if you look at the, the airline stocks, it's highly cyclical. They, they go way up, they go way down. When there's, you know, after 9-11, after the last recession, they go down perhaps to zero in the case of American Airlines, which went bankrupt. Um, we're in another one of those cycles with airlines. 
Uh, and so it's it's true that you know American Airlines you could have got for thirteen dollars back in the eighties and you can get it for thirteen dollars today, but it's visited some more fascinating high points in between uh, and and more disastrous low points. Whereas the theaters are just sort of on the way down uh, over the long term, and this is difficult times for them. Um, but I I think that. Uh, the resurgence, if there is one, in people going in the near term, will be, you know, a pause in what is going to continue to be a almost impossible uh, competition with the with the home. I, I I say that knowing how much that hurts you because you <laughs> are. Whereas I think in our use, it was probably a fair fight as to who went to more movies. Today, you're destroying me. So and for I, the last number of years. I, I hear everything you're saying about sort of the and and I'm not I'm not using this as a hey let's rush out and and buy shares of AMC Entertainment or Cinemark. That being said, um, if you're the studios, if you're Disney, if you're Sony, if you're Paramount, you want this business to come back. You you like the business model that you have right now of. We pay to make these movies. They go to theaters for some amount of time. We, you know, they, we get several bites at the apple. Um, also, this past weekend, we had uh, there was like the the DC comic fan event. So we got um, new uh, uh, trailers for uh, the Wonder Woman sequel, uh, for uh, the the Batman movie, which is coming next year. So the, you know there there are. Um, there is excitement building, I think, when it comes to uh, going back to theaters. I think, as we've said about other companies in other industries in the past, this can be a profitable business. It may just end up being a smaller business. We've seen this with retail. You know, we, this was the story for basically forever with Barnes and Noble. You look at the Barnes and Noble business, and the Barnes and Noble. You look at their locations. Some of their locations are insanely profitable, and but a lot of them weren't, and so the, you know that was the thing that was said about Barnes and Noble for many years. Like, well, this could be a, a profitable business and a, and a good stock to hold. It would just be a smaller company. I think that's where we're probably headed with movie theaters because I I just don't think, um, you know, as big as your screen can get in your home, um, nothing's going to replace an IMAX screen or even just like a a, a basic movie theater screen. Did you see the preview uh, for the Batman movie? I did. Yes. Yeah, we're getting back to a little bit of the ultraviolence in this one. It looks like <laughs> it, it, it. It it had a little clockwork orange uh, uh, flavor to it. Yeah, it yeah, kind of yeah. did. <laughs> um, and and I, there are a lot of Batman fans that are you know there. You've got your 1966 uh, Batman uh, show. Uh, that's a great Batman, but uh, Batman who's is slugging somebody uh, in the face repeatedly, who's probably already unconscious. There are fans for that Batman too. And, there are. Um, they're <laughs> they're going to be able, uh, hopefully in the theaters, uh, and if not in the theaters on their big screens at home, be able to uh, appreciate that that version of Batman, who is on his way. Uh, yeah, I, I think these are the movies that we now think of as having. The future in, in in the theater because if if you're like, hey, I don't know what to do. Let's just go to the movie theater um, and see what's playing there. And what's playing there is some Russell Crowe movie that I've never heard of um, this this week. Uh, 
big fan of Russell Crowe, but uh, not don't know anything about this movie. I don't know how many of those movies are going to have great lives in theaters. Uh, the big tentpole movies still, they're, they're, it feels like that's a destination, a thing, a communal act, uh, opening night, opening week to go to the, you know, they're largely owned by Disney, uh, Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, DC's also got some of them and, and Nolan with uh, Tenet. Uh, there's still room for a few other franchises, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the rom-coms and things are, are mostly going to have their lives on Netflix, I would imagine. I think that's probably right. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Alex in California. He writes, I started following The Motley Fool back in 2016, which gave me the confidence to dip my toes into the market. One of the first stocks I bought was Tesla at around $300 a share. As Tesla's meteoric run continues, I've seen this initially small position grow to over 40% of my portfolio. While I obviously love the returns on my initial investment and think the pending stock split will only fuel the stock to go higher, I wonder if I should think about realizing some of these gains and trimming my position a bit. I definitely don't want to get off the great Tesla ride altogether, but I do think 40% of my total portfolio in one stock is very lowercase f foolish. What do you think? Uh, with the immediate caveat, we don't really give uh, individual advice here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, have a plan. What is your plan? Uh, the Tesla stock uh, started the year at four hundred dollars and change. Let's give. Let's just you know. I think one thing that investors have today uh, that they didn't have at the beginning of the year, other than much higher stock prices on some stocks like Tesla, is also the personal experience of having gone through March and knowing a little bit more about their risk tolerance. I would say that if if you made it through March and and you know your risk tolerance better, it doesn't mean that you really have have seen the biggest market decline you're likely to see in in the next few years because the recovery was so rapid and and um, the turnaround so dramatic. Uh, that you shouldn't expect that uh, being able to uh, ride out a, you know a month or two, which is what happened in this case, uh, it is the only thing that's going to happen in the future. Now, Tesla was four thirty. Give your give yourself fifty percent returns on that stock for the year. That's a great year for a stock. Six hundred. This this stock could finish the year at six hundred and fifty bucks a share and have had a great year, up fifty percent. Well, that's losing two thirds of, of your return. You know, is that something just mentally that stock, any stock is, you know, if you lose two thirds of it, are you going to uh, cherish the 50% you made during the year? Are you going to be kicking yourself? Are you going to say, I knew that that could happen? I can't tell you whether Tesla is going to ever go back down to 600 some dollars a share. Uh, but uh, I think certainly it is, it, it, it's been such a good ride. You know, if if you don't want to take on the risk of losing twenty percent of of your portfolio in a you know not hard to imagine situation of of Tesla being cut in half, cut in half, it's a thousand bucks. It's still up a hundred percent for the year. You know, just work through your mental risk tolerance. I think it's a it's a great question, a great time to be able to uh, 
sell something that you may have gotten more returns from than you ever thought you were going to in one year. Yeah, I think my two questions for Alex or anyone in this position, and, and thank you for pointing out, we could be talking about any stock here. Um, the question's about Tesla, but uh, certainly there are plenty of stocks that have had this type of run uh, and this type of journey in 2020. I think my two questions for anyone in this position are, how are you sleeping? Because if you're legitimately losing sleep over this, there's probably an indication. But then the second question is, what are you buying? What are you doing with that? If you decide, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to trim my position in this stock. Um, maybe you're just parking it in cash. Maybe you actually have a watch list of other stocks that you're looking to start a position in. Um, but you you want to be able to answer both those questions, and particularly the second one. Yeah, I, I think it's have a plan. If you didn't come into this year, didn't come into today, whatever it is, with a plan, um, just have a plan. If, you, if your plan was, I want to see what can grow to be 50, 80% of my portfolio, then stick to your plan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that plan. But, you know, if, if, if objectively you're thinking, like, I would never let something grow to be greater than a certain percent of my portfolio, um, then that's, that's a, a very, very uh, typical uh, plan to uh, trim something uh, when it gets to be larger than whatever percent you designate. Uh, now, t the Tesla story may have changed so much during the year, you never thought things were going to be this good. I don't know that that's the case with the the operation of the company. It's having a good year, but I, I don't know that its uh, fundamental story uh, has changed as much as the stock price has changed. Bill Barker, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.